Hey everyone, and welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about hunting rifles, Scottish story time, and quite possibly the strangest Once Upon a Time poll we've had so far, Cinderella 2, Dreams Come True. I'm Beth Alderkin, I'm joined as always by the lovely Abby. Abby, how are you doing? Uh, I was duped by a Scottish accent and Scottish folktale uh, story things, and I was like, this is really beautiful, and I had to remind myself what was happening, and who was talking, and the context of what was going on, and also that it was on a cassette tape, which, 10 out of 10. Um, yeah, I was like, this is so great. Wait a minute. Focus. Abby, focus. Don't forget, it's Rumpel. It's Rumpel. This is, this is manipulation. That baby can't hear this. But Belle can hear this. Well, everyone, we are talking about season six, episode three, The Other Shoe. And surprisingly, even though, you know, the land of untold stories is seemingly moving us into, you know, other tales like Count of Monte Cristo, 20,000 Leagues, so forth. We actually pretty quickly return to the story of Cinderella, which we got in season one. Uh, But with a twist, which, you know, for Cinderella, there's... You know, there's lots of twists involved, at least in the sequels. And I was fully, fully anticipating that I was going to, like, just write this episode off. I had a really good time. I enjoyed this episode way more than I expected. This had such a classic Once Upon a Time framing. Because this whole episode is, okay, what if we did Ever After Cinderella but then there's a magic portal door and then she gets a gun. Like, it's, what if Cinderella had a gun? Uh, yeah, a lot of fun. Mostly in Lady Tremaine's wig. And her dialogue. Oh, she, this is what villains should be. Just unapologetic monsters that come and go, I don't need to sympathize with them. Like I did for a moment. I started to feel for her just a little bit. But like in the context of feminism where I'm just like, she, it's from a different time. It's a different time. Like she grew up in a way, she, she had to scrap for all this stuff. But then I'm like, oh no, she's fully stabbing a person and pointing guns at people at point blank range and saying it's not personal enough. I, this woman's a monster. But like, I guess I get it. <laughs> I see it. Yeah, the, uh, the actress who plays uh, Lady Tremaine, uh, her name is Lisa Baines. And I thought she was phenomenal. And I do want to just kind of pour my heart out for a moment uh, because she did pass away in 2021 uh, following a hit and run accident. So, you know. Do- oh, no. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to, like, bring it down or anything. But, you know, she she brought a lot to this role. She was a, a very talented actor on Broadway in New York. Uh, she was on Deep Space Nine and was very well known for that. Um, and, yeah, just, you know. Oh, no, I didn't know this story. Okay, my, is not to get super deep in this, but, like, my my husband worked with people who knew her. They did a fundraiser for her family afterwards. Mm. So, yeah, uh, no, she did a phenomenal job. Very tragic, um, obviously. But, yeah, in this episode, she absolutely blew it out of the park for such a, like, you wouldn't expect this. Yeah. This is such a, this role has been done to death. It's the evil stepmother, and she just is supposed to be one kind of way. The story is supposed to be between mostly Cinderella and, like, the with the prince and stuff, and they're just sort of, like, cardboard cutouts. I think one of the best versions of her that I've seen is in Ever After. Angelica Houston's yes. portrayal is wonderful, which I felt like she was channeling. I felt so much, like, that's where I was getting a lot of the, well, that and the dress and the fire. Like, it all had very ever after vibes to me but yeah no she blew it out of the park blew it out of the park yeah i mean really there was water a lot of great performances all around and one thing i really liked about this episode that really makes it a two for two with last week is multiple things were happening like one one problem that we had in in the most recent previous seasons is that characters will like They'll just be responding to one thing. It's just one situation and everybody's revolved around it. But what this is doing is like everybody's kind of doing their own things. You know, Grumpy's and, you know, Emma's going to go see therapy, interrupting Grumpy's time. 
Uh, I have a problem with that. Um, we have Belle taking care of, you know, hiding away, taking care of her child. You've got Charming, who's trying to figure out this whole thing with this coin and his father. You have Snow wanting to reclaim uh, her education, you know, her educational prowess. She wants to do go back to the we are both. Um, so overall, like, we just have a lot of pieces in this in this episode, which I really like because it's laying groundwork for, for issues later on supposedly we we shall find out the 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 shoe the other shoe uh, tends to drop in this show a uh, lot listen listen you know what bottle episode i'm not looking forward my eyes are closed and shuttered i am so happy with what's going on right now i refuse to look forward it never happened what's happening right now in front of me spectacular <laughs> all right well everybody we are going to start in storybrook uh we have regina snow and david they are Dip, 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 dip. They are walking into the uh, mental hospital um, to pay Hyde a visit, and they're going to bribe him with lasagna. Like, even before they realized that the evil queen had already got to him, Regina should have recognized this was a bad plan. You're not known for your freaking lasagna. You're known for your apple turnovers that you poison okay. people with. The fact that the towel came off of what she was carrying and it was a pasta dish blew my mind. Like, it was just a huzzah. And I'm like, how is it not a a Dutch apple, like, something? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, literally anything else. Because also, like, you're going to ply somebody with... First of all, listen, I love lasagna. Very Garfield of me. I love lasagna. The taller, the better. Like, put it in the freezer. Eat it all winter. It's the best. But... I'm in, I'm locked up in a jail cell, solitary, basically, and I've just been sort of eating garbage food. Uh, don't come at me with a lasagna. No. Because, no, no, no. Like, you want, you want something with a little bit more. You don't want, hmm, I don't know how to put this. You don't want that warm belly, but kind of like everything tastes the same. You want, like, a couple different things, some different textures. Like a, I'm thinking like a, like a, like an apple... Tur- not turnovers but like what's a what's a a casserole apple dish apple crisp is that what i'm thinking of i mean or you could do what the know. evil queen did and give him like a three-course meal with steak and well, asparagus and all that stuff which is the right call for a person like hyde who's got refined I, taste but i also appreciate this domesticated version of regina it's still a move she would have done being like oh i will trick him with food but then she had a pta moment about it where she was like i will ha- i will painstakingly for 16 hours i like to believe a couple of days happened here she made this pasta and has been reducing it for hours just days maybe it is her whole house just reeks of pasta sauce (laughs) she has been hand making cheese like she went full full on about making this lasagna and it's even in just like a white dish yeah which a white dish only looks good in a place setting on like a wood table with other things when you're just carrying it in uh, with a towel over it everything about this was just like regina like growing up but like swerving too hard in the side like the wrong way she didn't do the cool thing she used to do when she was younger which would be blow the budget on a candelabra i think the moral of the story is if you're trying to bribe somebody who's in prison, who's in, who's who's being kept away, don't try and bribe them with something you'd bring to a church potluck. That, you know, like, that's just kind of the rule. Yeah, you just, just you gotta do something, and I'm gonna say the word, and I don't mean it to sound like what it is, but you gotta do something a little bit sexier than homemade lasagna. You gotta show up with, like, steak and potatoes. Like, hey, this sucks, but here's, like, a hearty meal. Here's a, here's a something. Not just, like, comfort... Again, I love lasagna. I feel like I'm trashing lasagna, and I don't mean to. <laughs> but yes, she, 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 she misses the mark almost entirely. Yes, because um, they arrive, and, and the room has. It's like he's got a, th- a three course meal. He's got beautiful furniture. The walls have been redone. He's got tapestries. He's got music playing. Do, 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 do. It feels like he's like about to like receive guests in a royal palace. And he says, hey, guys, the evil queen beat you to it. And they and she did it better. So in order to one up, you're going to have to you're going to have to free me. And of course, they're not going to do that. 
But I feel like maybe one or more of them was tempted for a moment. I feel like Regina was considering it. Yeah, because she wanted to be able to add the extra bit of, pardon the pun here, spice to this. Because the evil queen knew what it's all about when with food, as we talked about with the white container with a <laughs> terry cloth towel over top of it. It's all about presentation mm-hmm. with the foods like this. So it's a, hey, I brought you some food, which I'm going to guess probably wasn't super fantastic. But because it came with a comfortable chair and ambiance and all of the decorations, so it didn't seem like he was in a prison cell, really added to how tasty it was. So when you just show up with lasagna, even if it's the best lasagna on the Eastern Seaboard. No, it's I guess it's not going to do it for Hyde. But he would no, he will he, take freedom. He'll settle for freedom, but they're not gonna give it to him. And so God bless him for gambling high. What what what'll make this a little bit sweeter? Oh, you can free me and give me twenty dollars. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Ew. Well then we're at an impasse. I saw I said it in the hard. You don't like making deals. <sighs> and and then also, you know, Regina's trying to kind of think like the evil queen, stay at one step ahead of her. And so her and Snow talk about this later on and realize, oh, she's trying to kind of tear everybody apart. She's trying to 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 pull at the strings that are already coming loose, you know, take advantage of the cracks in the in the facade. And so for her, that's Zelina, because her and Zelina's relationship is very fraught right now. So she goes to see Zelina and... At first, Zelina's denying that she's seen the evil queen at all, but then she notices the baby rattle. They yell at each other. Zelina's wrong again, and then Regina leaves. And that's that. So we could just put that over there. The one heirloom from my mother. I was waiting for Regina to be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's from Target. <laughs> I've never seen that before in my life. She's lying. Um... But we also have, because I think at this point is also when Snow White starts having probably my favorite, most relatable part of this story, is that she starts having the mid-30s, I need to go back and get my master's crisis. Because she's like, I love being a mom and doing all this stuff, but I think I need to completely change gears immediately. I mean, she must have gotten inspiration from hearing from Emma that Dopey's gotten his master's and he's living his best life. Listen, that's what happens, man. You see, you start seeing people on Facebook and they're just like, I'm going to go back and get my stuff. And you're like, oh my God, should I do that? My life is in a rut. And finding out that a character has been written off the show. So they make sure he goes to get his masters and make a weird joke about him getting a lot of ladies, uh, which in the context of why he's not on the show is weird. Uh, But hey, sure. Why not? Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, the. The actor did confirm before that he wasn't returning for season six. So this was kind of them writing him off. It wasn't like they, they got rid of him. Although in hindsight, they absolutely should have gotten rid of him because um, he's got problems, guys. We're not going to talk about him. You can Google it. It's not good. It's bad. Snow White, Snow White's Dwarves is just cancel culture is out of control. No, I'm not going that way. Uh, but yeah, she's decided she wants to start teaching again. Mm-hmm open up a thing and I love I love this because in the context of Storybrooke you do not need to like go get an actual teaching license you don't need to do anything you can just find a guy with body parts in his fridge and be like this guy would make a killer science teacher (laughs) I'm getting the band back together we're putting Rydell High together Let's go. Yeah, I mean, Archie, I well, I looked at his door. It said psychiatrist, which means he is licensed to dish out medication, to dole out medication. Like, where did he study that? Did he go to Storybrooke University? Or was he just false imprinted with the memory of having a, of having a doctorate where he can prescribe medication? And he's like, yeah, I'll just keep it. God, that'd be like the easiest way to do school. There's just like a dark curse that puts all the memories of a four to eight year degree, just downloads it into your brain instantaneously. So now you're no longer a cricket. You're a man with a PhD. Amazing. <laughs> or a doctorate. Sorry. And uh, Regina and Snow, as part of their their mission to figure out what the evil queen is up to, to stop her and figure out why she came back after Regina killed her, uh, they go to Jekyll, who... <laughs> Makes his makeshift lab next to the dirigible because it's one of the only sets we have. 
And he's like, I can't do it. I don't have enough technology here. I, I have four beakers. I need seven. And they're like, it's a cool. I know where you could find more beakers. Let's go to this garage. I... I am obsessed with both versions of this. First of all, we're setting up a lab in the dirt and we're shocked that he's upset by it. (laughs) I mean, I know he's from a different time, but they definitely weren't doing science on an uneven dirt plane. So then they go to the garage of a man again with body parts questionable in his freezer. Maybe yes, no. And they just, he like just goes, Hey, let's get to work. And they just start, science brosing which i love i just love that it's in his garage like that's all he could get does is dr whale not making money yeah i feel well i mean dr whale he makes a point to note is his curse name which i did not like the verbiage of that one bit because there is a whole history with you know forced names and like your chosen name versus like for example, your slave name that's given to you. So like the fact that he was like, that was my curse name. I go by this name. It felt, I'm just going to say, it felt a little appropriation. It was weird. And I don't know if I'm reading too much into it. It was just, I, I was a little icked. I mean, we could also do it on the other way of like, I, I you know what? I'm not going to, there, there could be multiple ways to view this. I do... I do appreciate being like, hey, this was a name that someone gave me and I don't like it because, again, how do you go from Dr. Whale, like Dr. Frankenstein to Dr. Whale? At least he's still a doctor. But, like, I think it's also, again, shadowing the imagery you just invoked of being like, well, you were taken from somewhere where you did have a doctor. Like, he was a doctor there. And then now he's, like, a regular medical doctor. He doesn't like that. He doesn't want to be a regular medical doctor. He's a garage doctor. He is a, I work in a weird lab and get lightning to bring body parts back to life. I don't call me. I'm Dr. Whale is an OBGYN. Dr. Frankenstein is a lunatic. <laughs> you will call me Dr. Frankenstein. And, like, yeah, I'm okay with, with the end result. I think it's, right. you know, he, that's who he is. That's who he you know, he's like, I don't want to do the whole medical doctor thing anymore. I'm done with that. I've got bleached hair. I'm guessing because I'm also on my zombie. And let's just science, bro. And I like that. And then, and then you have Snow the freaking background being like, all right, I've got my high school science teachers. Lady, you're signing them up for something they have no say in, apparently. Why is Dr. She- Frankenstein going to want to teach high school science? So we have to remember that... Snow was brought up in a monarch to rule people and was probably taught to just point and assign things to people. (laughs) It's hard to shake your programming. And that's just what Snow is doing. And even Regina's kind of like, yeah, definitely, 100%. Let's do that. She's like, this is an insane plan, but yes, you should definitely put them on your staff. Tell them later, though. (laughs) Not now, while we're trying to replicate something with half the supplies <laughs> and no visible sink. I, as, as a person that has la- audited lab safety, horrified, upset, confused, scared. Just a few desc- descriptor words. But I love that Dr. Whale is back. I love his blonde hair. I feel like it fits his character a little bit better, honestly. It does. I, I agree. I think that it, you know, it's his... It's his modern thing, but then he's also wearing his old school lab coat situation. They're just science bros, and I live for it. Like, it makes me so happy. I do do wish there was, like, some sort of funny explanation as to why he was blonde. Like, they say in the Zelina giving birth episode is that, like, oh, I'm not allowed to get new hair, and no one says anything, whatever. I wish we just, like, later found out that while he was downloaded all of this, like, medical doctor stuff into his brain... That he still doesn't quite understand modern things like bleach. <sighs> and is just like, oh, it's used for cleaning. So he's just been like washing his hair with bleach for for months on end. <laughs> and that's why it looks like that. He's like, oh, yeah, I heard about the sun and stuff. But like the bleach works so much better. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Half my hair's fallen out, but I had so much you can't even tell. The stuff that stays looks amazing. <laughs> Meanwhile, we also have Charming. He is doing, uh, he is on a new path for vengeance, um, which 
On one hand, I'm just like, okay, great. Another reason for David to lie to Snow, blah, blah, blah. But I also feel like this is a good thing for his character to explore. It's much better than all the messed up stuff with James that we got in the Underworld storyline. Um, basically, he has the coin. He's trying to figure out what's going on. So he goes to Gold and he makes a deal for Gold to give him the information about the coin, which shows that his dad was stabbed, which and he wasn't drunk. So he was, you know, he was attacked or he was murdered. And, you know, he wants to find out. And Snow's like, please don't do this. I want to open my school. Like, I just want to be normal. Why, why are you like, doing this? I get it. But at the same time, I was kind of mad at Snow for this. No, I have my thing. I've already decided to do my thing. You don't need to be Batman. I'm sorry that your dad died tragically in front of that opera house, but I'm trying to open a school, and you trying to get closure on a story that might redeem your father is really going to get in the way of me staffing randos that I see around town who should, by the way... No, be nowhere near children <laughs> like Fra dr frankenstein should not be around children i was already nervous enough about him holding babies but like i i think there's a better argument to be like to get him out of this and then to like start the lying process again i i'm with you i don't care for this i do like that he told her about it at first because she's like oh the coin thing again <laughs> you're just like snow don't be a dick why are you like this? like if he, she found out her dad was like M maligned in their in his death or something i don't know she would overturn the earth trying to find out what happened and she just i don't know that, this is a selfish moment for me from snow that i didn't quite care for but did make sense i guess thematically yeah it it did feel like a conceal don't feel don't let it show thing where snow is like yeah i just bury it because we need to live our normal lives, which like I get Snow's motivation, but yeah, you're right. If the if the roles were reversed and this was something with uh, someone Snow had cared about, he you know, heaven and earth, everything, everything, leave no stone unturned to uh, yeah. to find to find the solution. Um, I did actually really like the deal and how they presented it. Apparently, the scene with David and Belle was like with Charming and Belle was. One of the favorites of the writers. Uh, this was written by Jane Espenson and uh, Jerome Schwartz. I thought they did a great job of this episode. I really did like this scene. This scene was great because it felt like old school once upon a time. He just brings a tape and he's like, I'm just the messenger. You don't. Well, here, here you go. I'm just giving it to you. And then she immediately knows it's a deal thing. And then she's like, here, now you can say I took it. And then they kind of have this conversation about... Um, just about like control and, and love and family. And he's able to kind of be honest with her in a way that he isn't able to be with Snow because Snow's not listening. I did. So two things. I did love the whole like, oh, I made him a deal because I'm trying to find out the truth about my father and he had a piece that I needed. So he made me do this. And she goes, yeah. And she says it such with such a cool straight face. She's like, that sounds like my husband. I love that. It, it sounded weighty like it sounded like the weight of a character that's been through it and has come to accept that mistakes have been made everybody knows it we all know it we're we're just gonna all know it together but the conversation was funny to me in a way of someone who has absolutely stepped the wrong way in a sensitive conversation because it was like oh well like my dad was like he might have been a drunk. I always knew that he died in a drunk. Like, da -da. But, like, when he was around, he kind of sucked. And she was like, yeah, like, my dad kind of sucked, too. So it's kind of tough to know who had it worse. And then Charming just looks at her. It was worse when he was gone. Like, it's worse when he's gone. Like, yeah, what it, are you talking it, about? That, no, no, my dad died. Like, my dad is dead, and I'm sad about it. Like, it's worse to have it. Being part of the dead dad club sucks no matter what you do. Your dad just sucks. Dad sucks club, much bigger, way more members. Dead dad club, a weird, dark humor story going on. And I just loved it. She's like, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it's like, she's just like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> anyway, I have to go find a cassette player, because this was recorded in 1997. <laughs> 
Yes, and it's a a story from it's a, a a lullaby from Rumple for the baby, which yes is sweet. Also, yes, ick. Uh, but also, it's so weird because he fully goes into his Scottish accent. Like, and, and I liked it because it worked super well. But it also, like, he's not Scottish in the show. So it was so random. It, again, I really liked this for what it was. Because I was just going, this is Robert Carlyle just reading something. And in my head, I'm, I'm putting it together of being like, oh, they needed him to read this. And I bet they tried it like a thousand times. Like he was probably like, I want to read this. This is great. This is something that like, I don't know, somebody he knows that read it a bunch. It's something from his childhood. He would like to have it in the show, passing on his, 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 his heritage. And then he was trying to do it in the gold voice. And he just kept accidentally either shifting into the Scottish accent or it just sounded weird. Because there's a lot of Scottish, there's just a lot of Scottish in this. Yeah. I think if I tried to read it out loud, it would sound insane (laughs) with my weird Midwestern raspy voice right now. Like the word bairn only sounds good when the R is rolled and like the rest of the word is swallowed in a Scottish throat. You know what I mean? I can't even imitate it. It's why it's a tough language. So I want to say they were probably just like, just do it normal. And they did it, and it's amazing and moving and made me cry a little bit. And then I went, no, focus. Focus. Don't forget, it's Rumpel. Don't forget, it's Rumpel. It's Rumpel, it's Rumpel, it's Rumpel. He's He's tricking even me, the audience member. (gasps) Wow. He's good. As he awkwardly stands outside the ship. And doesn't look at the ship? Okay. The staging of this had such a, like, play moment where it's like, why are you cheating to the audience? You should be looking at the boat. Yeah. That bothered me a little bit. But yeah, and he just stands awkwardly and it's like, cool, so now you're a stalker. Neat. Amazing. Just stand out there John Cusack style with a boombox. Playing that over your head. That'd have been hysterical. All right, well. Women love this. Woo! All right, well, we're going to go ahead and dive into um, Ella, Emma, their whole situation. We start at Granny's. Uh, Emma, Henry, and Hook are chilling. They're reading. They're reading the storybook which Henry's brought over. He's like, "Look, I've cataloged everybody. We've got all the info from all the folks from the Land of Untold Stories, so we know where where we need to go to help them finish out their stories." And Emma's like, "Great, that's awesome." And what do you know? Cinderella comes in with her daughter. She's like, hey, I see you all the time. Here's another normal day where I see you. I'm here all the time. Me, Ashley, a.k.a. Cinderella. I'm always here. With a child who's barely aged, so I'm very concerned about the timeline (laughs) based on seeing this child. Based on how long they made it seem like they were in the underworld, I thought that this kid would be learning to drive. (laughs) So, like, wild. But yeah, she comes in and then she says something that doesn't sit right with me. She's like, oh, you know how I run that daycare facility? I wanted to see if anyone needed any free babysitting. What you're doing is not babysitting. It is child care. I'm a, I, I see what you're saying about giving it away for free because these people don't have money. But let's not sell ourselves short. You are not babysitting. You also have no credentials, so maybe you are babysitting. <laughs> But yeah. Yeah, come on. Let's at least get you some tax breaks. You know, yeah. go to Regina. She knows all the tax codes. Or Hyde, because he yeah. owns the town now. He owns the town. Yeah. Talk to Hyde. He is the mayor now. Yeah. So he should know about all of the different governmental organizations that need to come and check out your operation for a home based daycare and what kind of rates you should be charging and what star rating you have and what you should be doing curriculum wise, teach student really, whatever. Um,. And she's like, yeah, can I, like, see the whole list of new people? No big deal. Hook, hold this baby so I can make Emma's ovaries fall out of her body. (laughs) Oh, this whole scene. Emma's just, like, she's talking with Henry and Ashley, and they're kind of, like, look, no, no, not Ashley. It's just, like, with Henry, and she's doing stuff. And the woman from the lottery. I don't know what story this woman is from, but in my head, it's from the story The Lottery. (laughs) I was thinking the uh, the the crucible. Probably that's probably what it is because she's dressed like the way she's dressed. But I was like, it's a single woman. Like this woman, she's. I was having, and I'm like, 
Wouldn't it be really funny if one of the untold stories was the woman from the lottery escaping through the gold door? <laughs> like, I will not be stoned to death. Her whole story is just outrunning the townspeople with bags of rocks. <laughs> and yeah, she looks over at Hook, who first doesn't know how to handle a baby at all, and then just realizes, hey, if I make goofy faces and put stuff on my face, like, the kid won't react, but will act like the kid is reacting. I liked it because the the shot shifted, so it definitely had the vibe of, okay, Hook, you don't know how to deal with children, so I want to make I want you to make that clear to Ashley Cinderella here that you aren't comfortable with children. Okay, cool. So we do that scene, and then afterwards, like, okay, uh, Colin, can you just sit with this little girl for a little while? We're gonna look at we're gonna do another shot, some B roll on Henry and Emma over here, <laughs> and the whole time he's just playing with this little girl. So like, we saw Hook not want to hang out with kids, and then just Colin O'Donohue being the cutest man <laughs> in the universe. <laughs> and Emma looks over with longing and love and sadness and yearning and. Almost immediately heads over to talk to Hopper. But before that happens, she heads back to the table only to discover that Ashley was looking at the book uh, to see if there were, you know, to basically for the babysitting stuff. Oh, who has kids? And then uh, she took off and grabbed her hunting rifle. Da, da, da. I know we've talked about it before, but we find out that this happens because her prince... Whose name is Scott? Question mark. I forget what his name is. Um, let me see if I can see it in here. Is it in here anywhere? Dr. Jekyll, man, Granny, Archie, Cinderella, Mr. Hyde. Jacob? No, Prince Thomas. Okay, so his name is, T- I guess, Thomas? I don't remember. Her prince. Cinderella's prince. He's just, like, in the street with a baby. Guys, what happened with with Cin- with Ella? Um, she seemed really upset, and she took my gun, and she abandoned the baby. Like, no worries, but, like, some worries. Just FYI, keeping you updated. I have to watch the child, so I cannot come with you. But if you guys could check, and I don't remember who says it. Someone makes a comment to him being like, that was like, I think it was even, I think it was Snow. And this is a lesson she's never learned. She's just like, she's like, well, that was like so super long ago. And he looks at her with this thousand-yard glare of just being like, some heals, some wounds don't heal. And then, like, the scene cuts. Like, he drops the most devastating thing in the world, being like, oh, is this woman broken? Is Cinderella fundamentally broken? Yeah. Yes, she is. Fantastic. And only he knows it, because Snow White apparently is just like, it happened so far away. Yeah, by God. Why would we worry about our drunk fathers being murdered? When we could worry about the future, about me teaching children to build birdhouses for nine months out of the year. Let's go. And yeah, so let's let's go ahead and head to the Enchanted Forest so we can figure out what Ella's deal is. Because, you know, our experience with her is her whole thing with Rumpelstiltskin. Uh, and he's looming in the background. But there's more to Cinderella's story than that. Ella's, Ella's, Ella's story. Ella, Ella. We get the kind of beginning bits of Cinderella of just, here's the stepmother, here's the stepsisters. Uh, a, A man shows up and he's like, hello, I am the footman and I am here to deliver this thing. And the, the, the mom, Lady Jermaine, she's like, um, I would expect a different person. He's like, no, it's me, humble footman. The letter still means the same. I will deliver it. Don't mind me and my gorgeous long hair. It's fine. <laughs> I'm just a normal, underprivileged guy serving the prince. It's fine. Winking at all of the women. Uh, and it's the invitation to the ball. Uh, you know, what are we going to wear? Oh my gosh, we're so excited. Ella's like, oh, I have a thing I could wear. I super would like to come. And she brings out this giant pink monstrosity. The one stepsister is just like, ah, I will throw it in the fire mm, and throws in the fire. Ella makes a very, oh my God, makes the very, like when I say that it reminded me of Ever After, she even made the Drew Barrymore now sound that you hear when Utopia is thrown into the fire. Utopia? Yes. Yeah. And so I was just like, it's been a little bit, it's been almost a full calendar year since I've rewatched the movie. So I think I might need to refresh. So anyway. 
We throw the thing in the fire, get it out. Then they do like this kind of hokey. Oh no, Ella's covered in cinders. We'll call her Cinder Ella. (laughs) We're so funny. It was so cringy, but it also absolutely made the inside part of my heart hurt because it's how middle school bullies speak. It's awful. (laughs) This is the nickname they come up with you. They did not, like, flex any muscles to come up with it, and it sucks, and it's cutting, and it will stick with you for the rest of your life until you're marching down the street with a gun in your hand. (laughs) Was I the only one who felt like the actress who played Clorinda, who was the the mean stepsister with a secret? She looked a lot like Emily Blunt. She looked like Emily Blunt. And the woman that plays Ella looks like Brittany Snow. It is. And it drove. I thought it, it was. It drives me nuts. I thought it was. Oh, it's not Brittany Snow, it's is it? It's not Brittany Snow. Oh, my God. Brittany Snow's eyes are 50% bigger than this woman. I was like telling, I was full on telling Tim, oh, yeah, that's the actress for, for Bitch Perfect. Nope. <laughs> no, it is not. Because I even, I even looked it up because I'm like, this, is this like some sort of pre-work Brittany Snow that I don't know about? No, this is a completely different woman. Uh, Yeah, I agree. And so she doesn't get to go. And then we get some weird exposition while we're talking to Gus the mouse. To Gus Gus. And being like, oh, there's a magic key. It goes to the land of untold stories. So I'm going to tell you the mouse this. And then the rumple stuff happens. But we see that in the uh, last time on Once Upon a Time thing in the beginning. Previously on Once Upon a Time. Remember this stuff that happened seasons ago? And so then we cut to... We cut to such a mid-2010s styling of Cinderella. Oh, it's... The, the dress, the curls, everything about this was like I, like a, a vibe I would want to go with. But now if they did that to me, I'd be like, oh my god. Like, this is what like a 40-year-old millennial would be like. This is the height of class. Make, make, I want to have a cheerleading clip-in with just nothing but like big ringlets. Please, I wanted to bounce when I run. And there's so many prom dresses. So oh, many strapless so prom many dresses, including Clorinda. Because um, the uh, the stepsisters are named after the original versions, not Anastasia and right. uh, Drizella. Um, and yeah, like everybody's got strapless. Everyone's got oh. the, the sweetheart neckline. I don't know if you can call it an anachronism if it's not a real time period, but it definitely doesn't look right. No. Because they look amazing. They they're they look fabulous. But not for what's happening. No. Like ugh. anyway, we go to the ball. Snow is there. My favorite part about Snow being there was that like she's like there, she's like ah. she's the worst girl at prom. She's me at prom when I was a teenager. <laughs> I'm not like regular princesses. I wear cranberries under my skirt. It's fine. Like I he's never really learned to walk in heels and I love eating pizza so much. Um <laughs> I play so many video games. So she's like, Yeah, you know, the prince is staring at you. Isn't he wonderful and great? And she's like, Oh my god, what if he's charming? Now, Snow the next thing that Snow says is funny for us, the audience. For a person who doesn't know Snow or anything about the person she's about to disengage the conversation to join, this would be nonsense. It would be very confusing. Do you think he's charming? Oh, (laughs) that name's already taken. And then she just drifts off into the thing and it'd be like, kind of manic pixie dream girl thing just happened to me. I didn't ask what his name was. What a weird thing. So she goes and she talks to the prince. The prince, like the prince in Cinderella is supposed to do, falls in love with her immediately and is just like, I love you so much. They don't really exchange names. They have like the cool sarcasm thing going on mm-hmm. where, and that's fun. Talk about his her glass slippers. And he's like, <laughs> he then says, I have, I have business to attend to BRB. Did the way he said it was just like, did he just tell her he was going to go? <laughs> I've got, I've got to I see was... a gentleman about a horse. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have to cut our dance short. I have to go drop some kids off at the pool. 
So what he does instead is he goes into some sort of like dark corner to hand a rose to uh, her sister. And that is when Lady Tremaine comes in and goes full Carrie's mom on her. You know, they're all laughing at you, Carrie. They're all going to laugh at you. Just stay here with mother. But not like that way. It's just uh, they're laughing at you. This was all a prank. Again, my eighth grade self was so upset by this episode because that is my greatest fear. My greatest fear is that I'm finding happiness, but everyone's in on the prank. Let's make her think that you're in love with her. She's getting everything she wants and everyone thinks she's beautiful. And then at the right time, we're all going to show up and point and laugh like Nelson from Seinfeld, or from, I about said Seinfeld, from Simpsons. <laughs> and so she leaves, understandably, very upset, loses her shoe. <gasps> she abandons Gus, who just happens to well, appear he, later. Yeah, he abandoned, well, yeah. It took him weeks to run back because at midnight he turns back into a mouse and then has to run from the castle to the hovel that they live in or whatever they live in. We get there. A whole bunch happens. Basically, uh, Ella is like, okay, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go to the land of Undone. She she opens the door. Here comes her stepsister who like shuts the door and goes, no, you can't leave. The prince is in love with you. She's like, he's not in love with me. It was all a prank. I saw it. It's a YouTube channel. It's terrible. And she's like, no, 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 no. Are you nuts? He doesn't, he's not in love with me. I mean, who wouldn't be? But he's not. Um, I'm actually marrying the footman, but I'm not allowed to. So like, maybe if you marry the prince, my mom will get off my back. You poor, beautiful soul. That's never how it works. <laughs> Ever. And so they're like, yeah, okay, well, I have something you can do. Like, you guys here. She basically gives her the key and says, like, you go find your footman. And, like, you guys can go to the Land of Untold Stories together until mom dies, I guess, is what's happening here. Yeah. And I do want to make a quick note that this is what I was talking about with the Cinderella 2 dreams come true. Because this is a, I feel like it's a direct pull from the movie because in Cinderella 2 Dreams Come True, which came out in uh, 2002, and this obviously was in 2016, um, Anastasia uh, falls in love with a baker and um, Lady Tremaine disapproves and Cinderella helps her with her secret love. And and Anastasia ends up being like, you know, happy as the baker's wife and, and all this stuff. So like, is there, there is, it, there is precedence. There is, there is a, there is a, a source of inspiration, whether direct or indirect. Well, I mean, you could tell that they pulled like every Cinderella version and tried to put just a little bit into it. Cause again, the ever after ties are really, I'm like, I'm happy they didn't go with the only big only only real giant flaw of ever after in my mind is them trying to convince me that melanie linsky is heavy <laughs> like oh she's the fat sister what no the guys the early 2000s were an absolute war <laughs> um so just oh not that it's much better but it's not being as clear cut i don't know it doesn't matter so they're gonna do that lady tremaine shows up and she's like I hate everything. And she goes full boss mode villain. And I loved this about her. She's like, I will kill everyone. I don't even kind of care. Like I have scraped by to make lives happen. And if you don't tell me where my daughter is, I am going to break this glass slipper, which is the only proof that you are the prince's true love. And this panics Ella. So she says, oh, they're at the, where do they go? The, the, the guard tower. Where they go? The guard tower. Thank you. They're the guard tower. And she's like, oh, fantastic. Thank you for telling me. Smashes the shoe on the ground. No notes. Amazing. Flawless victory. I was cheering. Like, I'm like, this is terrible and heartbreaking, but this is what a villain should be doing. They should not be trustworthy in any way, shape, or form. No ethics. And she had, like, the most bomb lines in this scene. Yeah. Like, I just the, the I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it verbatim. I was trying to find it in like the quotes, but I couldn't find it. But at one point, Lady Tremaine just looks Ella straight in the eye and says, "You smell like a trash can and have the intelligence of my cat." 
Oh, and I'm just just absolutely demolished. That's like body and soul and spirit. That is every layer of tragedy. Like she cuts deep. It just reminded me because because we watched the underworld stuff. I rewatched a lot of the Good Place, and it's one of my favorite lines. It's a human insult. You're devastated right now. <laughs> <laughs> so she goes to the guard tower. We knock the the boyfriend unconscious, and sh- the sister is immediately upset with Ella because Ella's like, "No, no, don't, don't do this," and she's like, "I can't believe you ratted me out." And it's like, she would. I mean. Have you looked at your mom? She's very capable of murder, obviously. And so she's like, no, I know what I'm going to do. The world doesn't make sense to me. I have been pulling myself up by my bootstraps for 50 years, and I've gotten zero thanks for it. And the one person who can pull me out of this, I've been a monster to for her whole life. And she hates me. So even though that she is going to make it, I don't get to come with her. Oh, no, the consequences of my own actions. So instead, I will throw a temper tantrum. I will take my daughter and I will go through the land to the land of untold stories with her and ruin her life effectively and put our our lives in stasis and just abandon both of them. All three of them. And the other what about the other daughter? Yet we don't care about the other daughter. She was only here for the food. <laughs> She falls in love with Gus, the mouse. Hell yeah. <laughs> Free cheese. Point me to it. That is the past. Yes. And that's kind of, that's the story that we find out with Ashley slash Ella is that Ashley feels guilty for what happened. And she knows that Clorinda is, came through the Land of Untold Stories and she wants to save her, protect her from Lady Tremaine. And... They have like a a standoff in a in an alleyway where Ashley's pointing the gun at them and is like, "Don't make me use it! Don't make me fire!" And she looks like she's trying. She doesn't look like she could fire the gun. No, I thought about it a number of times because there's also a point later in about five minutes where Hook is holding it one handed, but he's still pointing it, and I'm like, "I want to see him fire it. He'll end up on his little butt because the kickback. None of the she's." Ella is posted up. She's ready for kickback because she knows kickback is coming. She is in no way prepared for the amount of kickback that's about <laughs> to happen. She, it's, it's, I don't know. I, I appreciate, and I don't know if it's got a name for the trope, but like, she's very clearly just like a woman that shouldn't be holding a gun. Yeah. Like you would never expect the way she's dressed, the way she's standing, the way she looks and everything about her with her, with a gun. I would be afraid of this person. Like, if I saw this person with a gun, I would... Obviously, if I saw anyone with a gun, I would leave and disengage the situation. But, like, that's the kind of thing where you're like, oh, this is an episode of Snapped. (laughs) We're finding out the years of gaslighting that happened that got us to this point. Oh, no. (laughs) Yikes a doodle. And then so she's being, you know, again, for the plot, being vague and cryptic Mm -hmm. about it. She's like, you don't know. You don't know. I'm the monster. I'm not good. My whole life is based on a lie. You wouldn't know what that was. And then Emma, yes, I would. And then like Hook kind of like looking at her like side eye a little bit like, what? <laughs> you you know what it's like to, to live a lie. I don't know what that part's about. So then she runs. And, and, and Hook, Hook yells doesn't. Out. Oh, Hook yells out, Emma, use your magic. Yeah. She runs and Hook, no one moves. No. They're just like, Emma, use your magic. I'm like, see? This is why the magic goes away. You've all become complacent. Maybe let's use our human skills. So then instead, it's a, oh, I can't use my magic. And so it's a, okay, let's use our human skills. And when I say our human skills, I mean your human skills, neither me or Henry's. So they decide to tap into her. (laughs) I didn't like this line with Hook. A Bale's Bonds person or woman or whatever. And it's like, ugh. Well, that's, but that's after uh, the evil queen shows up waxes poetic for a minute about how her evil plans and how how cinderella is the first domino to fall in all the storybook stuff and then she's like i'm gonna take you off the chessboard pawns and then just like sends them to a street somewhere in the middle of the woods she took us off the chessboard no she didn't she was referencing murdering you like she did you a favor that's not what she- 
Yeah, she did you a favor. She just moved you out of harm's way because you don't have magic right now. So she does that. I will say I enjoyed, um, I really liked the way that they um, dressed the evil queen in this episode because her hair was not big, uh-huh. but it was fanciful and she looked fabulous. Something about her makeup and everything about the way that she was, like the dress, she looks great in blue. Everything about it, I'm like, she looks stunning. She did. She looked stunning. And in that closing scene with Hyde, when she she breaks him out so that they can go be dastardly together, and they just he like offers her his arm, and they just start promenading down the hallway. I'm like, this is a good looking couple. Yeah. Um. They yeah they so they decide they're gonna track her. I love that they're like, we have to use our skills. And they're like tapping into skill sets that they have, but it's mostly just, hey, remember the book Henry has? The book with all the answers. We open the book with all the answers and we realize that we need to go to the pumpkin patch. So we go to the pumpkin patch that's full of dead ex-wives. Is this the same pumpkin patch? See, I really, really hope not because this is... um. This is Clorinda's true love's farm. Which I feel like he had a name and I don't remember what it was. Uh, um, his name was Jacob. His name was Jacob? Okay, so what was what's the pumpkin hold? Oh, Peter, brain. Peter, pumpkin eater. Okay, so his name wasn't Peter. Maybe he inherited it. <laughs> like Peter died. And he's like, oh, well, I will take it over. It will be Jacob's uh, pumpkin patch. And then he's like, What's with all these big pumpkins? Why does it look like they were carved open and oh, oh no. god? Oh okay, don't go in the back forty. Like those pumpkins are just gonna sit there and rock CSI forever. story brook. I mean Josh is like Josh Dallas, Charming's getting ready to start CSI uh CSI Storybrook with his uh with his vengeance campaign, so they walk into Granny's and she's like, hey, Granny, I can't talk right now. I'm really busy. I've got meatloaf special. Whatever. Uh, have you seen this man? That man? Yeah. He comes in here all the time. His name is Jacob. <laughs> Sorry. I love, I love crime shows and bartenders that know too much stuff. <laughs> so, so yeah. So um, Ashley finds Clorinda at the pumpkin patch at the stable and um, she's injured and and but she's not actually injured. It's a fake out. And then here comes Lady Tremaine and takes the gun. Uh, no, Clorinda first has the gun. Then Ashley's like, "No, I'm sorry. Everything's good. Jacob's alive. Here's the farm." And then Lady Tremaine shows up with Jacob. And like, here's ja- there's a lot of chaos in this scene. No, 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 no. Lady Tremaine gets the gun first. Oh, okay, because she's like, "Surprise! I'm alive." And then the next scene, Lady Tremaine's just gone. If you watch this, she just disappears a bunch. She's just gone. <laughs> and so Lady Tremaine is gone. And then now Clorinda has the gun. Uh, we both reach for the gun. Uh, she's got the gun. And they're like talking to each other. But again, the miscommunication trope needs to die. Mm-hmm. In general, but very specifically in Once Upon a Time. I'm so sick of it. It upsets me. They're all just talking in weird just circles. So then it's a, well, this is his farm. That's why you came here. You were drawn to it for your true love. Oh, nice. So... Then she's like, yeah, this this jackass like throws Jacob to the ground. And Jacob's like, you're alive. He, this poor man, he was probably just like, I have to go turn the pumpkin so they don't get a flat side. Or none of the kids will buy them for Halloween. And oh, oh what? what did, don't grab me by the man bun, ma'am. What's happening? And he's in the thing. He found out his ex-girlfriend from 35 years ago is still alive. And like, it just turns into like, a stabbing like a full stabbing and then emma just shows up she's like i'm here so apparently and this is something i saw on the wikipedia i think this is from the dvd commentary i think the original plan was to have uh lady tremaine uh shoot her (laughs) shoot clorinda and uh or you know try to shoot jacob and, and clorinda took the bullet uh but apparently that was very that was changed last minute because they didn't want to bring uh gun violence into the show which is like that's one thing i will give them a lot of props for. I don't think gun violence is necessary in a show like this. Please don't bring gun violence into TV shows that don't need them. Um, also because they were standing. Again, it is a shotgun. Okay. If you shoot somebody point blank, because that's what they were doing. 
They were standing point blank from each other. So when Lady Tremaine's like, no, this is too, this isn't personal enough to me. And I'm like, you are you are in stabbing distance. You could just like hold the gun with one hand and still stab her. You stab her with a long device. You're, she's arguably farther away when you stab her. How is it less personal? But also if you shoot, like it, you just, just, you just, what happens if you get shot with a rifle at point blank is not pretty. So there's no way it would have, not that it needed to be realistic, but it wouldn't have been. And it would have just been like, yeah, none of this works. And it would have been way too grotesque and awful. So we moved to a stabbing. Fantastic. And they stab her like in the pelvis. It's such a weird place to stab. It sounds very unhinged. It's a weird place to stab a person. Yeah. So, oh, wait, and Ashley was the one who, who took. A yeah. Ashley takes the, um, whatever tool that is that she stabs her with. Is it her cane? It's a cane. Yeah. Okay. It's a, it's oh, a poison cane. she's got the Lucius Malfoy, like, yeah. it's my cane, but it's also a weapon. Uh, and then, and Emma shows up and is able to, the savior shakes. She's able to put, brush them aside for a moment and use her magic to, heal cinderella she's fine we're fine everything's fine this was a little ridiculous but whatever we're gonna move past it and there's also you know it kind of inspires her to move forward with hook and take chance because she she sees hopper earlier in the episode interrupting his session with grumpy which is a big no-no and grumpy just like but I will give Grumpy props because he's just like, no, I'm not done. Here's all the other things I wanted to talk about. Confidence, my butt. <laughs> I have things to say. I like that Grumpy is probably not worried about privacy at all. No. Like he just legit wants someone to talk about. Like this isn't therapy. It's just a gossiping session. Yeah, He probably like he just asks for the window to be open and then pays no attention to the amount of noise he's making. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just, like, literally shouting out the window at some point, but he's also fully next to it being like, you know what I think? I think Sleepy's faking it. Honestly. Honest to God, I think he's faking it. Hey, Sleepy. What's up, man? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, no, that guy, big liar. I don't know. What's his thing? How's that a personality trait? Um... Yeah, and, and but yeah, he, and I, yeah, I do want to give Emma props for returning to therapy and being honest with Hopper and talking about her emotional vulnerability. She talks about how she saw, you know, she saw Hook with the child at Granny's and had this longing, but is afraid of taking those next steps. And Hopper kind of gets her to realize that, you know, just because you're afraid of death or just because you're afraid of something doesn't shouldn't stop you from living. And he makes a really good analogy. He's like, look, every day I go outside, I could get hit by a bus, but I still go outside. So, fun story. I have been saying for years, and I've never known why it comes to me, but whenever I talk about life is short, who cares? I started doing this a lot during COVID, obviously, but it was one of those, like, I always say I could walk out my front door and get hit by a bus. Doesn't make sense when I say it around here because I live in a small town in Ohio. We don't have public transport. The The odds of me getting hit by a bus? Zero. Almost zero. Unless it's the school bus. Um, But it was one of those, I'm like, oh, I probably started saying it because of this <gasps> show. Oh, my goodness. Hopper got to me. Hopper therapied me. Um, but I also do like the lesson here where like Emma's like, I refuse to be happy because one day I might die. It's like, no, you grab happiness while you can. Yeah. And don't make other people suffer in your silence. Like you have to tell them what you're doing because if you're going to do that, you're making other people unhappy by not telling them what you're doing. Like cut them loose or tell them the truth. Those are your options. Otherwise you're being a villain. Yeah. So... That's my, wait, wait, that's my, my little, I'll get off my little soapbox now. Oh. And so she asks Hook to move in with her. And he says yes. I, I love this scene so much. It was so cute. I wanted to die. Like, I was like, they're so cute and domesticated. I love them so much. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. Because she's like, yeah, I got like, like a whole closet full of like red. She says red jackets. Instead of red leather jackets. And then she goes, I think we can make some room for some black leather. He's like, oh, well then, hell yeah. And I'm like, 
Okay, so you heard a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> you heard a different thing, but he's like, he's like, absolutely. And he, again, he looks, he and David in this episode, oddly very attractive, oh, like yeah. more attractive than normal. We'll put it that oh, way. Oh, yeah. The, not that they're the never stylists are doing good on those guys this season. Yeah. Yeah. The Pantene seasons have landed. And like, you know, for an episode that's very much about the pursuit of normalcy, which is going to be a recurring theme in this season as many of the main characters end up saying goodbye, uh, I felt like this was almost the most normal part of it all. Like, she just turns to him and says, move in with me. And he goes, what? And he's like, it, it, it felt very normal, not just for Emma, but for the show as a whole. Um, I would. I don't want to gloss over uh, the fact that earlier in the episode, uh, when Hook is talking to Ella, and it's just like, ugh, she won't even move. First of all, I love that Hook will just talk to anybody about his personal struggles, like a very personal problem of the fact that his girlfriend won't ask him to move in, even though like he bought the house. It doesn't matter. And so like she's like, oh, well, where are you living now? And he's like, oh, I'm on a ship with a pregnant woman who snores. And I'm like, why did you? Do- why did you have to do Bell like that? <laughs> Why are you like this? Oh, speaking of Belle, I saw this little note in the uh, in the freaking wiki where apparently, like, by Belle's, on Belle's nightstand on the ship is a copy of Her Handsome Hero, which feels like a really strange prop choice considering everything that happened. I thought we lost that book. I thought that book went straight to hell. I thought it had unfinished business and went bit to the bad place. She got a new copy, I guess. Everything ends up at, at Gold Shop. And apparently that's the one thing she wanted after uh, dissolving their marriage. I feel like that's people who like reread Harry Potter. It's just like, listen, I know it's problematic. I know it's bad. But I already bought the book. And I'm just going to keep reading it. It was part of my childhood. I just, listen, I don't know. Anyway. um, Yeah. And then... We already talked about the weird boat scene. And then we get the scene with David and, and Snow. And she's just like, yeah, don't be Batman. Just, like, let me do my thing while you have no hobbies or interest outside of that. It's fine. Go back be- to being a vet. Oh, also, Snow says something really messed up in that moment, too, that I re- that I just want to make a note of. Where she's like, hey, for, you know, for, like, 28 years, things are normal. And I'm like, he mm-hmm. was in a fucking coma and she's like ah, not all the details were great i'm like he was okay. unconscious he was this oh, was in his own mental red room of fire this is such a like weird boomer humor i hate my spouse like kind of joke where it's like wasn't it great when like we were together but you were unconscious for 28 years and i was just able to do what i wanted without having to be uh you know beholden to anybody that was like so nice it's like charming charming watch out next thing you know you're gonna be moved to it's complicated on facebook (laughs) charming look out well everybody that was season six episode three the other shoe and i mean despite it's despite its issues it has issues everyone episode of once upon a time does i thought this was good i think we're on a like we're on a bit of a good roll right now yeah, I mean, I think the biggest problem with this episode was discovering that Storybrooke has a prison industrial complex and there's a orange jumpsuit chain gang that picks up litter <laughs> that they make Lady Tremaine do, who, by the way, absolutely rocked that orange jumpsuit. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, this, this was, again, this episode was for the season that it's in and what we've already seen compared to, like, last season as well, a fun episode an all over the place fun episode like all over the place in a good way because it can be all it's been all over the place in a bad way before all over the place derogatory um good episode yeah i like this good strong episode and i'm curious to see whether the streak continues because next week we have strange case uh which is the jekyll and hyde origin and the swan song for that particular part of our beloved land of untold stories we do not get enough time with these characters and i'm so angry about it because you're already seeing the threads in this episode of the fact that like uh jekyll makes like a weird face at a certain point like he reacts to something somewhat negatively in the garage Mm -hmm. lab but then like shakes his head and kind of was like yeah absolutely and you're like wait a minute What's happening here? 
And I think we were we noted that in the last time we watched this when we didn't know what was coming. But now I'm like seeing it going, oh, this was them telegraphing to us like, hey, maybe maybe we don't know what's going on with this guy. Yeah. Tune in next week. <laughs> Well, we want to thank all of you for joining us for this latest episode of Once Upon a Timing. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, wherever you get those podcasts. You can join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash OUA timing. You can join our family on Patreon. You can become a dearie. You can become a swan queen. You can become a uh, baby dragon. All any 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 and all three. Uh, we want to thank our wonderful patrons for your love and support. Uh, this week's Swan Queen Patreon shout-out goes to Claudia Bradamante. Thank you so much. If you want to support us, head to patreon.com slash Timing. And thank you so much. We will be back next week with Season 6, Episode 4, Strange Case. So thank you so much. And Abby, we will see you next week next week why are we being spooky spooky next week because it's the doctor time the doctor's in the house i've learned a new fun fact about the actor who plays dr jekyll and i will tell you next week (laughs) tune in next week for the fun fact abby found (laughs) Ah, i love it